This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Vaughn Palmer with us from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi, and so nice to hear Mornings with Simi kicking off Thank today. Thank you. It's very exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. I know it seems a little bit anticlimactic because we've been here the, for the last couple of months, and there's so much going on in the world right now, but you got to start sometime, right? So here we go. Yeah, you do, and uh, look, it's a great honor to be on the air with you. Uh, I actually, it was great to hear Frosty's voice. Wasn't it? I started with Frosty. Really? Yeah, I started this morning show with Frosty doing The View from Victoria, and I still, when I work out in the gym, when the gym is open, I have the farewell t-shirt from Frosty's <laughs> retirement. Great. And, you know, I look at the names on it, and I have to say one thing that's quite it's poignant, actually. Frosty's still around. Some of the other people are still around. But you start to look at absent friends, too. I mean, Neil yeah. McRae and, and Jim Taylor both. I'm not, as you know, a big sports fan, but those two guys were like legends to yeah. work with. So I've been, I've been very lucky. It's one of the great pleasures of my working life to be on NW. And you know, most people probably wouldn't believe you because you have to get up so early in the morning. Do people keep asking me, do you really like getting up early? And they don't seem to believe me when I tell them that, yes, I do. You get up early regardless. Yeah, I do. And uh, reading an awful lot of political memoirs over the years, I discovered that the people who run the world get up early in the morning. And I figure you and I need to get up early in the morning to keep... (laughs) An yeah. eye on them. That's exactly the case. Let's talk a little bit about that, too. So we've got an update coming at one thirty this afternoon. I was speaking with Mabel Elmore yesterday about an announcement the provincial government had made, and it just sounds to me like everybody right now in government is just working flat out. Yeah, they are, you know. <laughs> There's an awful lot of stuff rattling around out there on the Internet, but I get these notes from people, why isn't the government laying everybody off? Well, The recession is going to be bad enough, folks, without the public service being laid off. And besides which, as we've discovered, an awful lot of these public services are really, really important. So, yes, people are working from home in government, but they are working very, very hard and, uh, you know, and for good reason. So that's true. Um, We did get this modeling from the government on Friday, and I found it really useful Mm-hmm. taken in the right perspective. So the first thing that that was apparent from what we were given on Friday is that we've made some progress. Let's not get carried away with that, though. There is some evidence that the the rate of increase in infections is slowing down. And, of course, that's the first step in bending the curve, so that's important. Dr. Henry said, I don't know if it's working yet, It could be working, and she said we should use this as an excuse to double down on the physical distancing, the isolation, the hand washing, the don't touch your face, all that. It's not an excuse to relax and go back to normal life. It's It might be working. Let's stick with it for a few more weeks, and we'll have a better idea if it's working. So that was pretty useful, as I said, put in right perspective, as long as we do what we're told. The other thing I thought was quite useful was you got a sense of how they're planning within the system for their worst-case scenario. They don't think we're going to get to where they got in Italy. Thank goodness. They they, they don't, but they are planning 
what if we did? What would we do? And again, the modeling on that is is pretty interesting. They gave us four scenarios. So South Korea, if we behave ourselves, Hubei, China, if we're sort of in the middle, and Italy, if it gets out of control. Uh, if it got really bad and Italian-scale outbreak, the system could just barely cope with it. I think that's what came through. Uh, we would have... Um, almost 3,000 people in hospital at once. We would have almost 400 people, 374, in ICU, in intensive care, and pretty much every ventilator in the system would be in use because, of course, there are other reasons why people are on ventilators and so forth. So that's where you said, and Adrian Dix said, we've looked at that scenario. That's why we've cleaned out the hospitals. That's why we've canceled all these um, scheduled surgeries. Mm -hmm. That's why we've ordered more ventilators. That's why we've got local governments looking at space we could use for overflow, maybe the Vancouver Convention Center. So what you would do if you got to that point, Simi, is we have the 17 big hospitals. They're being set aside for coronavirus cases. Other patients in there would be moved out to smaller hospitals, to long-term care, and some people might be moved into these controlled temporary spaces. So, you know, uh, nobody knows where we're headed, but I was reassured that they have actually planned for a, plaus- for a worst-case scenario here, even though they don't think we'll get there. I've been watching carefully the numbers from other provinces as well, and I am somewhat heartened by what I see in BC versus what looks to be the problem spots right now is Alberta, Quebec, and Ontario. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, it, it's a, Canada's a bit of a patchwork, right? The, yeah. the healthcare system is actually delivered at the provincial level. Ottawa does provide some of the money, but it's really provincial, and circumstances are different in each province too. So you're, you are getting that patchwork effect across the country and the and the provinces that are where it's working to their satisfaction are saying we'd like money from Ottawa to help the economy but we're going to try to manage this ourselves so you know as i said i think we're on a a track here in british columbia that is not too alarming at this point if we do what we're told Uh, One thing, uh, again, Dr. Henry estimated on the weekend, if we stay on the track we're on at the moment in terms of how many cases we're adding every day, and if we succeed in having that curve bend flat, we'd probably peak at 2,000 to 3,000 people infected at one time. The Italian scenario we'd have 15,000 people infected at one time. So we're still a long way from that alarm bells ringing, total panic mode. And as she says, you know, if we follow the advice we're getting and stay on it, that day should never come in British Columbia. We'll have a better idea by the middle of April where we are because, and the reason for that is because we started taking strong measures a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But there were people then who were asymptomatic, but who were going to get it. So we don't know how many cases were around then that are going to be, you know, cases 
Uh, and we won't know for sure for another couple of weeks. Within two weeks, we should know whether everything we've done have really succeeded in bending the curve. And when will all these measures be suspended if we behave ourselves and get everything right? Adrian Dix said, certainly not before the end of April. And I would say, uh, so long as we don't go completely Donald Trump on everyone, I think probably more likely uh, we might, if we're really good, start phasing, changing a few things in May. But I Mm. think we're probably on this track till the end of May anyway. So what's it like in Victoria then, Vaughn? Because certainly I'm out and about like driving to and from work and I drove in yesterday as well. And, and see what people are behaving like on the streets. What's it like there? Well, uh, up to today, I've been walking into work. I was having a lot of internet trouble at home, and I was the only person in my office, and I was only seeing one person every day, and that was Keith Baldry, who was in the next office. But I've decided now that I can work from home. So I go out for a bike ride early in the morning in Victoria as soon as the sun's up, And there's not very many people around. The streets are fairly empty. Even around the government, things are empty. Most people are working from home. Um, The Ledge Library is still open for research purposes. The Ledge Dining Room was open the last time I saw. And they're doing the press conferences, Simi, still from the press theater at the legislature, But as the Premier said on Friday, it's so nice to see so many of you not here uh, (laughs) because because almost everybody's phoning in now. Almost everyone's working from home, uh, certainly in the print sector anyway. Obviously, television, that can't happen, and radio, that can't entirely happen. But, uh, yeah, and, I, and of course, our friend uh, Mike Smith is going on the air in your old show you got at it. 9 o'clock this morning from the haunted basement of the legislature buildings. And I believe his first guest on the phone will be Premier John Horgan. All right. Well, then he's got it all lined up there. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you so much, Vaughn. Bye-bye, Simi. It's Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Center. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season 6 of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.